side of red or switch they die Rob of the dog who loud his motorbike Looking for legends on the sunset strip With a stone cold paranormal partnership Metro Town Rick tried to sell me some crack Listen to the podcast man and take that shit back It's a legends Podcast about urban Hello and welcome to a Halloween special on Urban Legends. Ah, ah, ah. Yep, the most scary character in all of Christendom, Count Von Count there. Um, yeah, happy Halloween. Happy uh, Sa- Sa- Sauron? Sauron. Sauron, yeah. Sauester. Uh, yeah. Um, Sam Hain, if you're American. Sam Hain. Uh, but and it's spelled, it was Gaelic in it, so it's it's spelled completely different to how phonetically. Yeah, so. Happy Sam Hain. Yeah. Make sure you put loads of razors in the candy. No, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure all of our American friends know how to pronounce sound. To be fair, but uh, yeah, yeah it's an Irish festival, and Gaelic is very confusing. I, I struggle even though I'm half Irish. Yeah, well, that's um, that's why they used to carve because pumpkins aren't natural to the UK. No, it used to Ireland. be a turnip. It used to be a turnip. Yeah. yeah. It was a, some old Irish myth, yeah. They used to, um, that's because I always thought it was weird because in the UK children's comic, The Beano, they always had, which is from, I think it's made in Dundee, the people who make it. It's called, D, they're called DC Comics as well, but oh, it's okay, not, yeah. it's not the Batman. No, one. it's not Dollar Comics or whatever it stands for, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they would like, the characters such as Dennis the Menace, again, not the Dennis the Menace you have in America. No, we it's had, very confusing. We had, all, we had a we completely had separate one. one. They happen to have come out in the same year. It's just completely coincidental, as it turns out. I want yeah. a bit more of a menace, if we're being honest with you. He does actually, he's, a, he's a right little shit. Yeah, he's he's a proper, proper menace. I mean, he really should have been sent to military school quite yeah, a while he ago, been shouldn't he? Yeah. yeah, should have been in Borstal. Oh, well, I don't know, because then he would have learned to be more of a menace, Neil, because they're, oh, yeah. they're not good at rehabbing, are they? Well, no, but that's fine. Um, but, yeah, like, they used to, at Halloween, have carved pump, carved turnips instead of pumpkins, and I was like, what's that there about? There you go, yeah. Yeah. No, it's really funny. Sorry, go on. Of course, turnip are delicious, uh, as we were told by one of the, the cabinet in government at the moment. Uh, you know, British people shouldn't be... Uh, expecting to eat foreign foods like tomatoes and that they should eat British foods like delicious turnips, <laughs> mm, turnips and tatties. Oh, that'll be a, a Therese coffee special, I would imagine. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I should introduce myself. I am uh, Chris Chris Flynn, Chris Frightening Flynn for this oh. episode, <laughs> and with me as always is Neil. Neil haunted her, but then if Neil haunted her, and you are quite haunted, aren't you? You've often got haunted by your face. We trip over from fun terror things into just really like, yeah, you don't want to be running around in my subconscious. Oh, god, no, it's um, 
nightmare of Elm Street kind of deal, isn't it? But yeah, um, but that mix of Hellraiser, which yeah. I, which I believe Hellraiser the because that was a book first and By Clive the Barker, book, yeah, yeah, and it was actually Clive Barker at the time was a hypnotist and he was doing regression therapy with you. Was that yeah, like? well, yeah, that's where he basically <laughs> he actually yeah, he used to be wanted to be like the next priest or something, and mm. um, but yeah. But he wrote down all the stuff that's coming out of you. Just actually, just released it verbatim. Yeah, as a scientific so paper. This is a, this is a gold mine for me, <laughs> and it got picked up. Picked yeah. up for the film. He's had a very successful career. Have a look back. Yeah, I mean, they made about. There's probably about six of those. They're still movies. going. Are they still really? Mm. They can't have that. I because I, I think I've said this on the pod before, but there's a funny story about. Um, I can't remember his name. Doug something. He plays Pinhead. I assume he's retired now. Um, all they just do is CGI or whatever. But uh, latest one was twenty twenty two. Now twenty twenty two. Does it have Doug? What's his face in it as Pinhead? I can't oh, remember his surname. Doug something. But now there's a. I, I can't remember the story, but there's a funny story about him turning up to someone. You know, they all go and sign autographs, twenty quid mm. a pop or whatever, or twenty dollars a pop, and uh, yeah, dressing down the uh, the guy who set the thing up because there was about you know five people at the event or whatever. Oh really? Well, it's just the thing. That, it's got to be a bit depressing, isn't it? When you're kind of like you're out and you've got, you know, you, you don't you don't get money anymore, and you might see a few sort of residuals from films and stuff like that. So your rest of your life is just, you know, on some trestle table signing autographs for people who. Are... Um, I suppose it's a decent money spinner. Uh, I'm trying to find what his name is. is it, he didn't play Frank the Monster, did he? No, it might be Doug Bradley. Oliver Smith. Doug Bradley, yeah, that's it. He was Pinhead. That was lead like Cenobite. Yeah, that's it. This is of no interest to anyone else, anyone listening to the podcast. Another award-winning uh, show. But it's Halloween special, so... It is a Halloween special. You're allowed to talk about uh, yeah, scary stuff. Yeah, talk about Pinhead and scary things like Doug Bradley. Doug <laughs> <laughs> Bradley's career, trajectory, yeah. terrifying things. I mean, I, like, I literally don't know. I mean, he's decent in that role, but I've no idea if he's ever done anything else. I mean, we must have done stuff pre-Pinhead, but... No, actually, it says here, I'm just reading his IMDb in the trivia bit. It said that he was uh, discovered working behind the counter at a Tesco's. Oh, well, there you go. So, you know. I mean, that's kind of like the Harrison Ford thing, isn't it? He was a carpenter for George Lucas, but then his you know career really took off after that, became a very celebrated actor, whereas not so much for Pinhead. Well, he was in Star Wars The Old Republic, Legacy of the Sith, as a voice, the video game. Oh, okay. That's the, yeah, voice acting's a good gig. Good act. Good bit of money out of that. That's the one which I'd like to do. Yeah, sitting acting. in the sound booth, just yeah. Trousers around your ankles. That's fine. No one's no one's looking. Do some talking. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're picking it all up in the mic, it's not a problem. That was. I oh, know that wasn't. He was. He was in a short in 1978. So he had. A, he had a nice ten year gap between his sort of uh, his his. his Debut on like a student film and then sort of landed at yeah. Hellraiser gig and that's then was then went to work right, to Tesco's. Sort of it's a nice little retirement plan. It is getting a cult film franchise. So, um, uh, so how have you been, Neil? How's, how's your week been? I always ask you that. Don't yeah, know why. Not, not been, not I don't really care. Either. No, I know you don't. Um, thought the viewers might though, listeners, whatever, listeners, yeah. I mean, they might be they might be watching. We do do this on Zoom, so we might release it one day. What, have you, have you get, got the files? Stupid faces. They're all there on the cloud somewhere, I suspect. But uh, oh dear. don't worry, we're never going to do that. 
Um, we might do. Not, not the not ones that have been done so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we could. Well, potentially we could do one. Yeah. As a look at yeah, whatever. Um, and I forget loads of massive interest in that. Um, <laughs> sorry. It was yeah. Yeah. No. 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 It, it's uh, it's just it's getting to that time of year. The clocks have gone back. Yeah. It's raining constantly. It's raining, um, man. Yeah, I'm kind of over it. Are you? Sadly, not. It's just raining. It's raining water. <laughs> well, water's more valuable than men. That's why we have wars over it. Well, men are eighty percent war, aren't they? Or was it seventy percent or whatever? Yeah, but I mean, it, it's difficult to for a vampire. It's difficult to blood. to uh, process a man into delicious just Perrier. Yeah, that's true. Although I believe that is where Perrier, why it tastes so good, well, is because yeah, that's why it costs. They um they they round up the homeless of the Parisian yeah. in the Parisian night and um. Truck them down to Alsace or something. Gives it that lovely mineral content. Yeah, exactly. Lots of minerals in a human, Neil. I would absolutely suspect Nestle would do that. I don't know if Nestle. Oh, Nestle would one hundred percent do that. Yeah. Uh, not, not really. We're only Brian joking. We're only joking, pain, Nestle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, probably fairly litigious. Yeah. yeah definitely. Talking so, of, you know, uh, talking of horrifying. Mm, Nestle's legal department. Blimey. Blimey. Um, so now oh, that'd be a good costume, wouldn't it? What Nestle's legal department? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> turning yeah. up in a little free piece suit. Well, turning up like a, like um, but dressed as like a a layout of like an office floor. Ooh, yeah, well, yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Cease and desist letter. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do like a fairly big one tonight, and it's kind of weird because it it may have some truth in it, and it may not. Yeah, I was looking at this because obviously I, I was like, oh, it started as a penny dreadful. So I was like, oh, yeah. it's slightly going on, you know. Yeah. How is this? But actually, yeah, there's, um, I was reading about apparently the guy who wrote a lot of these penny dreadfuls, he used to get a lot of it out of crime serials and all you're used to, you know. Yeah. And then let's face it, East End London at that, that, that period. Oi, oi. You wouldn't be massively surprised. No. So, and I've got a little song that I'm going to sing Ooh. to bring it in. And I've, not, put... I've not practiced this, so we'll just have to see how it of goes. Yeah, just I was going to say as well, we are actually doing this on Halloween night. So you literally, you if we if all we're doing according it according to plan and releasing it, do yeah. release performing, release, mix down, release. You are hearing us night. now as close as you will ever hear us to real life time. Yeah, it'll be like, it'll it'll be like an hour gap. It's like a South Park or Drop the Donkey thing. Really fresh. Doesn't mean we're going to actually have any up to date material, but you know, no, no, God, no. Maybe I'll maybe I'll look up. No, no, I'll look up the newspapers. It's all fucking depressing. Isn't it's it? really bad at the moment. Okay, so you ready, Neil, for my, little, my little song? Some fingers there, Chris. Lovely, I liked it. It's made me a bit nervous, though. Yeah. Well. The Sweeney, the Sweeney, the Sweeney, the Todd supplied a bit of mystery meat. People thought was odd. How do you know that? His clients didn't want to die. It could have been their dream to end up in a pie. The Sweeney ran two businesses at the same time. The very personification of a get up and grind. Sometimes beneath the crust there would be an air on navel. But at that low fucking price is going right on my table. The Sweeney, the Todd. The Sweeney, the Todd. I'm gonna talk about him because he is my god. 
What's in the pie? I can hear you mutter. Flour, a pinch of salt, your arse and some butter. When people found out what had been discovered, it took the meat pie sales three weeks to recover. And Sweeney was cuffed and taken to the station. Another small business called out by EU regulation. There you, there you go. go. The Sweeney, good. the Sweeney, the Sweeney, the Tom. Because, of course, there was a musical done by that guy who... Yeah, dressed... Stephen Sondheim. No, the, uh, the dressing-up guy who's married to Johnny Depp, who does the kids' films. Oh, um, <laughs> I think it's based on the Sondheim musical, though. Yeah, I know who you mean. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Helena Bonham Carter's husband. He's married to Johnny Depp. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, he's... Um, oh, blimey, what's his name? He did Batman. Tim Tim Burton, yeah. God, my brain is really... It's um, great, Neil. It's good stuff. Um, so, yes, we're going to be talking about the Sweeney the Tot. Um, so, yeah, as Neil cool. said, the sort of earliest thing about it was in a Penny Dreadful, which um, you know, presumably people know what they are. They were little short stories that people would sell for, for a penny yeah. around the streets of London, uh, which were awful, which were often kind of like horror stories and... Um, there'd be like vampires. Do you know what? Actually, the f- the first, I believe, the first use of the word Cockney was in a Penny Dreadful. Really? Yeah, the earliest found use. I reckon it was in use before, but the earliest printed version. That was might be a printed version. Yeah. Yeah, it was like uh, it was something like uh, a Cockney's adventure. <laughs> Yeah, because it would have. I mean, a lot of people didn't use um, slang in kind of, you know, certainly any, wouldn't any, have written any, it. any serious literature. I do remember um, Victor. Well, most Day. people in the East End would have been illiterate. Let's be honest. Yeah, and still are. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. It's all big silly lights these days, isn't it? And um, frappuccinos, the East End of London. Oh yeah. Anyone from the actual East End's been pushed out to Dagenham. Yep, they're all in Essex now. Yep. All right, Kat. Um, okay, so I'm going to start off, and hopefully there's been any article I have to read, from uh, an article, because it's because it's a spooky night, Neil. Ooh. Ooh. Do you know what? It's when the veil's at its thinnest. Oh, it is at its thinnest, and there's, you know, they can they can cross over. And I would... And the I would also like to point out the fact that you're wearing a very thin veil to, today, aren't you? Because yeah, you're, is how I describe you, this. You're dressed. Uh, you're dressed as um, a belly dancer, of course, for this year's Halloween parade. No, um, just completely unrelated. Just going to dance of the seven veil. It's very thin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot left to the imagination, yeah, and for some, some reason, reason it's wet. Well, moist is how I. But yeah. Do you know what? Like, you know, when they say, because I was really nervous about the song thing, because, you know, I'm a very nervous man. Yeah. And um, it helped me because, you know, they say you should try and think of seeing your audience naked or whatever. Yeah. That's not a problem, is it? Not a problem at all with you. No. Yeah. Barely a thread on him. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, So uh, it's from the Mail Online. Uh, I don't like the fact I've even clicked on it. Apparently, Sweeney Todd was an immigrant. So that's interesting quotes from Braverman then, presumably, but yeah. So here we go. Revealed the truth about the real Sweeney Todd. Oh, okay, the real one. 
so this was from 2008, so it's in conjunction with that film coming out. So it says... Okay, yeah. A new film tells the gruesome story of the demon barber of Fleet Street who turned his clients into meat pies. Ghoulish fiction? It was, his, it was his lady who turned him into pies, was it? Oh, I don't know. Well, he was part of the process, wasn't he? Yeah, I suppose. Finger, sort of... Yeah, probably taking it a bit seriously. No, he didn't make the pies. Don't underplay her role in this. It was a this. pie lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, recently found ghoulish fiction, recently found evidence, suggests otherwise. On a late March afternoon, the London drizzle and fog made it seem as if night had already fallen. A lone figure paused outside a church in Fleet Street, pulling a gold-braided hat over his eyes and wrapping his expensive cloak around him. Something caught his attention. The flash of metal in the candlelight of a filthy shop. Its window was dirt encrusted, but through the grime a notice could be made out. Easy shaving for a penny. That's value for money. It's not bad, is it's it? It's either that or I spend it on a penny dreadful. Yeah, and breathe all I think about. I'd shave, probably need one. Would you? Well, I don't know. Penny dreadfuls yeah, are entertaining, penny. aren't they? I haven't got telly in that. That's true. So... The strange pennies I've got, I suppose. Huh? You've got one. You've got one penny. What are you doing? Now, answer. Penny dreadful. Good. The stranger ran his hand over his stubbly chin. It was 1785, and he had arrived in London early to do business and was to stay overnight. Perhaps he should smarten himself up. Mm, Why not? The proceedings of the business deal were folded in his wallet. Who knew what the evening would bring? So he'd done his business. He got some proceedings of the business deal, i.e. bit of cash money, bit of walking around money. Okay. And he's thinking, what's the evening going to bring? Yeah, I'm down the East End. Yeah. Get some opium. Go to to some knocking shops. Indeed. Get some delicious bathtub gin down my neck. We didn't have Molly down the Molly House. Well, it's the, Molly House is the same as a knocking shop. No, 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 no. It's, um... Oh, really? Well, okay. depends well, on, well, depends on how you your knocking. expertise. Yeah. Huh? Depends on how you're knocking. Mm. So, so you're saying that knocking shops were, um, are more... Um, I imagine one would be more... Um, for clientele, he wanted a lady, and a Molly Molly House would be for uh, a gentleman who prefers the company of gentlemen of the evening. Oh, is that what Molly House is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, remember that. So minutes later, the man. What was in eighteenth century or seventeenth century um, London? I don't know about them. Probably not a, a particularly contemporary. Anyway, yeah. So it doesn't, Neil. It doesn't matter. People haven't come here to find that out, or maybe they have. Maybe they have. Maybe, Maybe they have. Maybe they have. Yeah. So minutes later, the man settled back in the barber's chair, but not for too long. At the throw of an unseen lever, the seat tipped backwards and the floorboard in front of his feet rose up, the ceiling spinning. He was flipped out of the chair and into the cellar below. His neck was not broken by the fall onto the basement stone floor, Sweeney Todd, the barber, would slit his throat with a razor. 
You think he'd be doing the throat slitting before While he he's in the chair? Yeah. Yeah, but I guess that that's quite in view of the public. <laughs> yeah, I get me. Yeah, I don't know. So the man was stripped of his money and his flesh, along with 160 others. His body was sliced up and used in bags. I might get rid of the evidence. And so, Neil, side hustle. for sure, it's a bloodthirsty tale, which touches on one of my, mankind's most primal fears, that of being killed and eaten. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> Is that a final thing for you? Getting killed, yeah, that, that's about yeah, it. Probably once I've been killed, I'm really that fast. Doesn't does it? Fill your boots. But this forerunner to Hannibal Lecter and a serial killer far surpassing that of the Yorkshire Ripper also had a morbid attraction. We're not keeping score here. Yeah, we are. It's no shipman, I tell you that. <laughs> uh, Sweeney Todd's name is seen in the Victorian penny dreadful newspapers and in 19th century melodrama complete with his own catchphrase, see how I polish him off. I didn't know that was his catchphrase. Yeah. See how I polish him off. Where's me wash bulbs? <laughs> Who's he saying that to? Because yeah, he probably the like, breaks yeah. the fourth wall. Little yeah, yeah. See how yeah. I polish him off. <laughs> nice. In modern times, the demon barber's tale has been adapted first as Stephen Sondheim musical, and now a Tim Burton film, starring his wife, Johnny Depp, and yeah. Helena Bonham Carter, their child. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird how big it's gotten, though, isn't it? They turned into a big... Because it's, it's like you would think this should be like a fairly obscure little kind of... Um, t- it was a decent decent little story. So I remember... So I've not... Like, I remember the, my first um, hearing of this yeah. was... Um, there was... So in, on Channel 3 on ITV, there used to be GMTV, and they had Roland Rat. Oh, okay, yeah. So He referenced the, the Sweeney Todd murders, did he? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he, they, were, they had a, a like, the, you know, like Roland. So Roland Rat was like a puppet rat, right? And So he was a puppet rat, and it was like for the kids during the sort of adults sort of like morning programming sort of thing. Yeah. But but he yeah, there was an episode where he went went to get a haircut and stuff. And they're like, oh no, it's Sweeney Todd. And like this guy was playing Sweeney Todd and like had a cutthroat rage and all of this. And it shit me up when I was a kid. That's quite dark for a Ronald Rat thing. I don't I mean I can't remember anything. Uh, Errol, I've mm. got Errol the Hampson that felt about mm. Ames was quite anxiety. That was his mate. Wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I remember the characters, but I don't really remember any of the sketches or anything. And I remember it proper shit, like properly, like gave me nightmares. Yeah, like, it's quite a dark one for a kids weird TV. one for a kids program, isn't it? Nice. That, that he like nearly it. gets killed and put in a pie yeah. by a murderous brother, a psychopath. Yeah, kind of like oh, so normally he's just learning to skateboard or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So Todd's story, however, has always been dismissed as exactly that, a story. Well, yeah, surely it's fiction. Is it? Surely, Chris. For years, his existence was denied by by a shadowy cabal of barbers. Cancelled cancelled Sweeney Todd. Oh, no. You've lost the news. Academics pronounced him a fictional composite his grisly character, an amalgam of several serial killers. So this is the thing, right? There are there are these... 
I, it's kind of like Robin Hood, isn't he? But, but obviously, like worse. He doesn't steal from a rich kid to the poor. He Just murders the murders poor, the and poor feeds, feeds the poor with the poor. Yeah. <laughs> Make money from yeah, I mean, for, you know. Soil and green, isn't it, basically? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's probably worse things gone, gone into pies. But there but is actually, like, I've, I've seen while having a look around, there are different stories like this from different countries as well. Like, there's a famous one in Paris. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's got to be... I mean, I think, actually, it's not the getting murdered and turned into a pie thing. I think it's the accidentally eating someone else, you know, you yeah. finding out that you... Yeah, yeah. You, you've eaten you, man. Yeah, I mean... And, and, and now and it's all ones. you can... And now it's all-consuming all in your thoughts yeah. how delicious it was. Oh, it's pretty tasty, though, wasn't it? You want to go Ooh. back some more, don't you? Oh. <laughs> 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 it's tasted anything so sweet. delicious. You know, I think mouth that would, watering, uh, thinking about it, darling. <laughs> that would that would be quite horrifying. Yeah, that's a horrible bit. And also, I think the thing with, like, I I would even now, because I've never had like a cutthroat rate like shave. I've never had. That. Okay, yeah. Um, and if I was letting a barber do it, I would still be worried that he's just going to slit my throat. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you're putting a lot of trust in someone, aren't you? Who's like who basically is. A flick of the hands away from garroting you. Well, it's pretty easy to knit yourself with those things as well. So, yeah, they need to know what they're doing. I mean, yeah, they're not going to. And also, barbers at this time didn't particularly have a great reputation. They would like they'd do surgery and stuff. <laughs> People like in Italy, barbers used because they were like surgeon barbers. Well, barber surgeon, yeah, no, it was, yeah, you literally so it was bloodletting as well as so you could. Have a shave or a haircut, but also yeah, you get, could, a bit, um, get get your humours balanced. Get blood to get your humours balanced if you're a bit sanguine. Yeah. In Italy, they used fathers would sometimes take a son to get that to get to get castrated so that they would keep the high pitched voice and therefore make money singing. Mm. That's why they called the castrati the really high pitched. Yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, come on, it's for the good of the family. Yeah, well, you know. So. Theatre parents. <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> Helicopter parenting. Uh, so, from early days as a journalist on Fleet Street, I, too, have been fascinated by Tot. But over 25 years' research, I've discovered new information, tap your nose, right. that provides, uh, that proves inescapably that Sweeney Todd existed. Well, this is... Interesting. Scroll down for more. Oh, I didn't need to read that bit. No. I'm just going to have a little sip of my green tea. You're taking the listeners on a journey. Yeah, not one they want to be on. It's a journey of gunpoint. So, I poured over the archives in London and Washington, looking at 18th century maps and scrutinising contemporary publications. They revealed that Todd's life and crimes were more intriguing, more curious, and more gruesome than previously suspected. Moreover, his background conforms to the psychological profile of serial killers built up by modern police criminologists. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, I think the point is is whether or not he's a fictional character. I mean, yeah, yes, if this is actually a person who slits people's throats and they can put mm, well, in pies, pretty, then that's... Right, well, let's let's look at the evidence, Guy. Put it up on the board. So, slits people's throats. Mm, okay, right. Uh, well, I mean, who, who hasn't wanted lip, to do that? Lives alone. Hmm, interesting. 
Mm. Cook, cook bakes them into pies. No, interesting. So he seems what was to his relationship with his mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was his internet activity? Yeah. Oh, I see. Mm. I see. Mm, yeah, well, I think that us criminologists can certainly put them in the sack. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of like, you just, you know... Pretty, yeah, killed 160 people. I mean, yeah, I think we're, in, we're definitely in serious... Stick, stick that one at the top of the board, mate. We don't need mate. psychological profile <laughs> at that point. I think we've... So, the demon barber's crimes, it turns out, are no urban myth. See, it fits in. Yeah. Sweeney Todd was born on October the 26th, 1756, in Brick Lane, where there's a market nowadays. Yeah, and good... Carry get, houses... Get, Get stolen bikes. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's, sort of, there's loads of bikes always for sale there, and they rec- they reckon that people, when push bikes used to get, push bikes, bicycles used yeah. to get stolen a lot from, like, Brighton and stuff, then they would just appear in Brick Lane Market, like, the next day. Oh, right, yeah. Could be, could be. I've not been up the East End for years. Haven't you? Why yeah. not? Not welcome up there anymore. Quite a while, actually, yeah. You're not welcome up at East End no. anymore, are you? Not after what you said f- about the Cray twins. Well, not after you said again. Not after you said to Violet Cray. <laughs> Didn't mean to be disrespectful. On this You turned down a turned down you turned down one of Ma Cray's jelly deal sweets. Oh dear, oh dear. Oh, haven't you got a sweet tooth? Oh, well maybe. Maybe we should remove some of those teeth. See if they're any sweeter in old Mother Thames. Um, so, the house in which the child first breathed the fetid air of East London slums is not known, but it's probably near Spitalfields. Okay. I mean, he was actually called, he was called Sweeney Todd then. Yeah. According to this, okay. According to this, I mean, he's he's also so it's just all absolutely factual. Then, well, he's also he's also said he was born in Brick Lane, but then he says but then he's in and then he well, then he says that uh, oh no, it's the house. No, fair enough. All right. Yeah. Although I believe in 1756, that area of East London wasn't was actually still quite rural. So, yeah, hey, probably. look, let's stop. Let's stop arguing with ourselves, Neil. Come on, we're here. We're here for fun. So, his troubled, violent early life mirrors that of more recent killers. <laughs> I don't know what I said. Uh, Todd's mother, not twenty, scratching a living from winding silk. Her husband, a struggling silk weaver, very heavy silk-based family. You shouldn't put all your eggs in a silk basket. That's the lesson I'm no. taking out of this. You shouldn't put all your You're silk eggs. The serial killer son. This is what's yeah. going to happen. Well, he was a struggling silk weaver. And he was a drunk who beat his son and his wife. Well, you turned to drink, wouldn't you? You've got a, got, yeah, well, got a serial killer son and a <laughs> silk, a silk trade that's going down there, yeah. Todd said later... She'd have gone in a cotton. <laughs> Todd said later, my mother used to make quite a pet of me. I was fondled and kissed and called a pretty boy. I used to wish I was strong enough to throttle her. What the yeah. devil did she bring me into this world for? Unless she had plenty of money to give me so I might enjoy myself in it. There you go, relationship with mother. That's another tick in the serial yeah. box. I mean, I don't know where he's where he's getting the information that Todd said this, but again, 
So the undercurrent of this, this malevolence. Is article published on April the 1st or October the 31st, no. by any chance? No. no, sadly not. The undercurrent of malevolence was compounded by the young Todd's bizarre interest in the instruments of torture displayed at the nearby Tower of London. Mm. To escape his parents' brawling, he lingered in the Tower's museum, where thumbscrews, racks and other macabre tools were displayed to discourage citizens from dissent. Todd hated his home life and his uh, gin-sodden par- parents. He is unlikely to have shed a tear when, in the freezing winter of 1768, they disappeared, possibly dying on the streets while seeking booze. <laughs> speculation. Uh, sustained. Equally mysterious is how the boy survived that winter, turning up the next year as an apprentice cutler. His master, John Crook of Holborn, specialised in razors. Ooh, so he's an apprentice cutler. What's that? I uh, don't know. Anyway, don't matter. Um, would he be someone who makes cutlery? So makes knives and forks and that? Mm, could be. Don't know. Makes sense, doesn't it? The boy's life abruptly changed again in 1770 when Todd was jailed for five years for petty theft. His crime is not recorded, but he interred in Newgate Prison, aged 14, feeling even more bitter. You wouldn't want to be going to Newgate at 14. Yeah, not in them days. Sells cutlery. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. Um... Yes, nailed it. Etymology, Crisco. Um... Yeah, so he's in Newgate, five, 14 to 19. Yeah, Formative years. So the box ticked. In prison... Fate overtook the semi-literate boy. The prison's barber, a grizzled old man called Plummer, employed him as an assistant, where he soaped condemned men's chins for shaving before they walked to the gallows. Want to look your best? You do, you do, don't you? When you're getting your neck broke. So, despite his association with Plummer, Todd did not escape the vindictiveness of fellow prisoners. On one occasion, he was left for dead after a beating... Uh, for pilfering from a murderer. Well, it's prison rules, isn't it? Well, don't, yeah. Don't pilfer. Don't get caught. Don't get caught pilfering. The Sweeney Todd, who walked out of Newgate in autumn 1775, was a striping 19-year-old with a grudge. Oh, oh really tough. The years had made him morose and resentful, and he would soon repay London for the violence it had visited upon him. Many times over. Oh, Yes. With his new skills, Todd made a good living as a street corner barber. <laughs> I miss that. I was going to say, the doesn't slit all of their throats, because... Uh, Not to start with. good for business, would it? Well, it depends. What do you get more money for? Barbering or pieing? I suppose you're robbing them as well, aren't you? And you're robbing them. But there'd be a certain point. I know that, like, probably in East End, the police weren't up to all that. The Bow Street runners. Especially, yeah. But um, I would have thought after the 100th one doesn't walk out. You're going to start seeing a pat, aren't you? Well, I mean, you know, like presumably the neighbours. Not my problem. Yeah. We don't talk to the cops around here. Fuck off, plods. Yeah. So, uh, within five years of leaving prison, he had earned enough to open a shop near Hyde Park Corner. Uh, There, the barber was helped by a young woman who he referred to as his wife, 
despite never marrying, and who bore the brunt of Todd's growing rages. Oh, dear. Already, the signs were there in the barber's behaviour. Criminal psychologists now believe violence in the home is an early indicator of a propensity towards murder. They rehearse brutality Anything behind... about how he used to torture animals? No, no, none of that. When he was a kid? No, none of that. Okay. No, so I don't reckon he was. No, he probably wasn't then. Yeah. I think he was all right. Yeah. Um, just that, just 179 unrelated accidents. <laughs> I've just, got to get. I've got to get this chair fixed. Oh, if only somebody <laughs> invented a safety razor. <laughs> These things are so sharp. <laughs> Not another one. Oh well. Just got like had terrible like Parkinson's or something. Yeah. Well, he didn't know, does he? Just got you know. It's just no. Wasn't 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 treatable back then. What are you gonna do? You got a pile of meat sitting there. You might as well turn it into a pie. Wow. Mrs. Megan's, she's, it's she's what, known. It's what they would have wanted now. Yeah. You can't, you know, there's a lot of hungry people out here. Yeah. Meat's a rarity. George IV scoffing at all down the pavilion or whatever. Yeah. Uh, can I, I, well, I must, I must have a rhino stuffed in an elephant. Because he's eating swan or something, though, isn't he? He's not. Yeah. So. So, uh, violence in the home is an early indicator of the propensity towards murder. They rehearse the brutality behind closed doors before embarking on their murderous careers. Mm. By now, violence was the norm for Todd as victim and perpetrator. Ooh. It's very the dramatic. Event... <laughs> I'm trying to build up you the, the drama. It up. It's good. Good, isn't it? The events that pushed him over the edge occurred in December 1784. A yearly news chronicle of the time tells the story. Hmm. A young gentleman, by chance coming into the barbershop to be shaved and dressed and being in liquor, uh, mentioned having seen a fine girl in Hamilton Street for whom he had certain favours in the night before. The barber, concluding this to be his wife, and in the height of a frenzy, cut the young gentleman's throat from ear to ear and absconded. So he'd, um, he'd banged his wife. Oh, you've got to be careful of you bragging about that, too. Yeah, do you know what well, I mean? Well, he was, he was drunk, though, though, wasn't he? He was in drink, yeah. Makes you less careful. Yeah. So, was the murderer Todd? Question mark. We cannot be certain... But he said, after his arrest many years later, my first student was a young gent in Hyde Park corner, slitting from ear to ear, I did. There is, however, no disputing where he next came to light. Fleet Street. Ooh. With all the newspapers. Nice. Shame you didn't get Murdoch. <laughs> uh, he owns a lot of the Fleet Street rags. Talking of, talking of terrifying characters. Yeah. Talking about pulling the strings from beyond the grave. Uh, there, he would combine the ingenuity of a cutler with the skills of a barber to embark on an era of bloodshed unique in British criminal history. London, at the time, was a perfect setting for Todd's mind uh, misdeeds. Policing within its infancy and human life were cheap. Yeah. With the stench of poverty, illness and debauchery... 
enveloping the crowded city. Fleet Street itself was little more than a huddle of taverns, mean dwellings, exhibitions and freak shows. Sounds all right. Sounds all right, doesn't it? It's a nice night out, that. Want to bring that back? I suppose it's not in the newspaper there anymore either, are there? We could maybe have our podcasting Christmas party there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hanging around a freak show. Well, we've got to be careful we, when we hang around the freak shows. Just well, in I case. Mean, I assume that we'd be, yeah, we'd be on display. But Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. We're quite, we're both quite naive, aren't we? Come in here, come in here, sir. Come on. And then suddenly you're caged. Yeah. So the exact location of Todd's shop is disputed. I believe it was at number 186 Fleet Street behind the St Dunstan's Church. Its position is in direct line to Bell Yards on the other side of the church where the pie shop was placed, the two points linked by many passages. Mm-hmm. As I was completing a new edition of my book on Todd, the London filmmaker Tom Whittier added an intriguing piece to the jigsaw. He had located old plans of the tunnels, which satisfied him that this labyrinth made communication between Fleet Street and Bell Yards feasible. He invited me to visit the underground chambers, and it was not difficult to see how they might have served Todd's purposes. So, there's actually a tunnel between the two. Joined basements. Mm -hmm. What would have been the reason for joining basements back in them days, Nils? Could be all sorts of reasons. They might have been used for different different things. They might have been um, ferrying stuff across. I don't know. I guess if Bell Yard, so it's called Bell Yard, so a yard would normally be just a place where goods were delivered, wouldn't it? Yeah. And then so maybe there was, so people could move the goods under the shops or whatever. Because um, the streets are very crowded and also Indeed. people would just nick all the stuff. It's all possible. Uh, Todd paid £125 for the lease in the dilapidated shop and advertised his jewel roll of barber and surgeon with a white pole uh, striped in red. The words Sweeney Todd, barber, were painted in fat yellow letters above the door. Nice. I keep getting images of um, John Thor, I'm going to say as well. Do you? It's related. He starred in a, a thing called the Sweeney. Mm. Sweeney Todd was slang for the Flying Squad. It was like a police show in the same yep. For those of you who don't know, because you're probably most of our audience. So, the 18th century barber was both hairdresser and doctor, as we discussed earlier. People went to him for minor bodily complaints, and some barbers were even surgeons and performed small operations. See, I'd quite like that. I'd like to be able to go to my... Because I've got a skin tag under one arm. I'd okay, quite like yeah. to be able to go and just get it just get it off. off. Yeah. But you can't do that at the barbershop anymore, can you? No. It's health and safety gone mad. Oh, red tape and regulations. Ugh. So the white on the pole represents a bandage for which the patient was bound after the operation. Sweeney Todd's window displayed jars filled with coagulated blood and rotten teeth. Yeah, so you definitely got your teeth done at the barbers. These were to advertise his skills at pulling teeth and bleeding clients. It was a a lot of people are kind of like, they'd like to go back, you know, time travel, but I think the past would be pretty horrible. By and large. I mean, yeah. Depends where you're going to... I think it depends on where you end up and like what... Um, like how high in society you are, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, you'd want to... So if you went back to 17... 
50s London or whatever, you'd want to go and look round, wouldn't you? Yeah. And I imagine that everyone would stink, there'd be shit everywhere. Oh, yeah. All I mean, their teeth would be falling out. Like, I mean, you look at, you look at like, videos from the 70s and people who are, like, 20 look like they're about 50. Yeah. So, like, imagine what it was like back then. Yeah, and everything, yeah, I mean, even up to the 80s, everyone just smoked indoors all the time, so it was just like, yeah. It says me smoking a cigarette. smoking now. But, um, but, yeah, it's a lot rarer now. But, uh, yeah, no, yeah, because I remember reading this, I think it was, like, debated in the Houses of the Parliament in the sort of early 19th century. It was just, like, literally everything just stank as shit. Cause it wasn't, you know... I yeah, everything just got tipped in into the, the river and stuff. Yeah, yeah, just, just out in the streets and what have you. Dear old Mother Thames. So the barber himself was, if anything, uh, even less attractive. Uh, the barber himself was, if anything, even less attractive than his rundown shop. Accounts describe him as sullen, with heavy eyebrows, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a hard mouth and pugnacious features. The gentleman, huh? You want some? The gentleman's magazines said in 1853 there was also something very sinister about him with a pale face and reddish hair. At times he was like some hobgoblin, his strange dark eyes uh, agleam with greed and cunning. Although, is this after the fact? Yes, I always always thought there was something. A hundred years later, yeah. Yeah. There's been, like, five generations since then. You didn't meet him. Yeah. The second killing ascribed to Sweeney Todd was committed in Fleet Street. An article in the Davy Current of April 14th, 1785, reported the murder of a young gentleman who had fallen into conversation with a man dressed as a barber. It said... The two men came to an argument, and all of a sudden the barber took from his clothing a razor and slit the throat of the young man, thereafter disappearing and was seen no more. Todd also killed an apprentice around this time after he called at the barber shop carrying money for his master. Fair enough. Uh, you know, you're asking for it if you're bringing money to your boss. <laughs> Three more deaths in his... feel happy, really, you know. <laughs> he's, he's got a temper. I mean, blimey, I'm surprised we haven't heard about this before. I, I, I'm going to have to go and research this after this podcast. It's, yeah. It's on a spray. Yeah. Hit my apprentice. Anyone, any customer anyone. comes in. Yeah. <laughs> All good. Yeah, anyone's potential. Yeah. Three more deaths in this period have been attributed to Todd. Those of a pawnbroker, a shared de- dealer, and a petty crook. That's right, it's vigilante, isn't it? Well, yeah, Sam, that's fair enough. Fair enough, take law into his own hands. They it's were the... extra, isn't it? You've got to be a serial killer to stop other serial killers. <laughs> it's the only solution. Uh, they were the last to die beyond the confines of Todd's shop. You'll be glad to hear. From okay. here on out, it's just... It's within. all just straight up in the chair. Yeah. Now, yeah. By now, he had the means to kill and rob with greater certainty on his own premises... His revolving chair. Very much working on his catchphrase as well. Yeah, which I can't remember. No. Um, (laughs) I bumped him off or whatever it was. I kind of want to go back and find it now. See how I polish them off. (laughs) Right, yeah, we go polish them (laughs) off. Um, His revolving chair. So that's like um, 
that's like Will I Am has in The Voice, isn't it? Or something yeah. like that. Do you reckon that was based on Sweeney Todd? Sweeney Todd, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. I'm sure Will I Am was a big fan. He is. He is a big fan because he's um, he's artistic, isn't he? So he's yeah. He's he got likes, flair. He likes to pull. He likes to pull influences from all over the shop. Huh. One minute it. One minute it's Afrobeat. One minute it's Sweeney Todd. Yeah. One minute it's disco. Doesn't matter. Beautiful. As long as it's soulless, it's fine. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's really soulful. Uh, the device with a seat on either side of movable... Uh, either, sorry, the device with a seat on either side of a movable square of floorboard was possibly inspired by a waxwork exhibition in Fleet Street where revolving machinery made wax figures kick out at frightened visitors. <laughs> So he had like so there was a chair below and a chair above and it would swivel so that yeah so there'd be a really replacement like chair down into into the base so they're not so it's not tilting back and people are sliding off and the chair fits back up like in like the chairs in Thunderbirds it's like there's a there's a chair below and a chair above and it goes oh right oh, okay very Bond yeah very James Bond. <laughs> There is only one authentic account of a victim being murdered in the chair, recorded in an incomplete handwritten document. The report was made by a man whose father had been killed by Sweeney Todd around 1798. Thomas Shadwell, a watchman at St Bartholomew's Hospital, was also robbed of a gold pocket watch, later recovered from 186 Fleet Street. Hmm. By now, Todd was dissatisfied with the money and valuables he had amassed from his victims. The barber thought of a better way to dispose of their bodies, and he found the solution in a young widow called Mrs. Lovett. Her first name has been given as Marjorie or Sarah. Doesn't matter. Appears to have a penchant for strong, violent men. So, what was her uh, catchphrase? I love it. <laughs> I'm going with. Well, I love it. Yeah, uh, I think it was. Um... Hmm. Don't forget the gravy. There you go. They're equally good. That's how I polish them off. Don't forget the gravy. <laughs> nice. So. It is surprising to some... About a third that, of a book, yeah. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? It's surprising to some that Todd should have had lovers. The cliché of the serial killer yeah, is that of the lonely... Ladies like a bad boy, don't they? Oh, yeah. Tell me yeah. about it. I'll fix him. Oh, that's why I always fall in the, into the friend zone. Not bad enough, Neil. Oh, dear. Nothing to do with my terrible personality and <laughs> horrific looks. Um... So the cliche of a serial killer is that of the lonely Norman Bates figure. Now, you see, I don't think that is the because I sort of think of most serial killers as being uh, slightly sexually deviant as well. Oh yeah, and also you know can be reasonably. No, charming. I mean, the Norman Bates figure is a made-up character. That was made up. Like Sweeney Todd. I think it might have been based on someone because it was. Um, I mean, you take someone like. I mean, yeah, different strokes for different folks, isn't it? But yeah, you take mm. someone like Ted Bundy or Ed Gein, they were. Yeah, getting it on the rag, but oh, tell me about it. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Have I made the wrong choices? I'm not getting it on the rag now, that's for sure. I have to buy my own meat. So, but the multiple murderers, 
uh, for multiple yeah, murderers. The price, of, price of groceries these days. <laughs> I know. 10% inflation, area. mate. Yeah. You know, people are starting to... I'm starting to go in the shops and look at the person behind the till and they turn into, like, hams and stuff, like in a cartoon. <laughs> so, but multiple murderers often have wives or girlfriends, such as Ian Huntley with Maxine Carr, Ian Brady with Myra Hindley, and Peter Sutcliffe was married. Whatever the dynamics of their relationship, Todd sensed a kindred spirit in Love It. The attraction between the big ugly man and the buxom widow was also, without doubt, strongly sexual. (laughs) After their moment of intimacy, which legend tells us followed a successful murder and the preparation of flesh for pads... (laughs) <laughs> Love it may well have found her lover's coarseness irritating, but the gruesome relationship prospered. Serial killers usually repeat their methods. Todd did exactly that after his initial murders. He would cut off the arms and legs and, slice the, and slice the soft flesh from the torso. This would be added to the meat stripped from the limbs, plus the heart, liver, and kidneys. So it's health, good, healthy foods. Yeah. Yeah, well, like using the, all of the all of the animals as well. So that's well, organ meat's good meat, isn't yeah. it? And put in a box, so carrying along the tunnel to Love It's Bakery beneath her shop. There, it was made into meat pies that were so popular with her customers. The bones were left to rot in a disused family vault underneath the church. Hmm. It was the smelling flesh. It was the smelling of rotting flesh from St Dunstan's that was the undoing of Todd. The Daily Courant reported the dreadful uh, Channel House sort of smell. Channel House, yeah. Channel House, what's that, like an abattoir? Yeah, yeah, I think so. The dreadful Channel House sort of smell would make itself more painfully and disagreeably apparent. This and rumours about seafaring men disappearing from Todd's shop attracted the attention of Sir Richard Blunt, Police Magistrate of the Bow Street Runners, Craven Street Office. On the case. Stick them up, buddy. In 1801, Blunt ordered the runners to watch Todd's shop. Several times, Blunt visited the barber himself and was shaved, but always with a companion. (laughs) Safety first. Hang on a minute. They're going in, but they're not coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Something fishy Something's not right here. I'll go for it, Columbo. Later, he searched the church tunnels where his party soon stumbled across the family vault and the recent remains of human bodies. Going further, following footsteps in the dirt, the runners found themselves at the back of Lovett's underground cookhouse. The evidence confirmed a nightmare Blunt had been reluctant to admit. Todd was not only a mass murderer, but he was turning his victim into filling for pies. Later, <laughs> well, later yeah. while the barber was out, police searched his shop. They found cupboards stuffed with clothes and drawers of valuables, such as gold watches. That's stupid. I'll get them straight down. He the, should have flogged them. He should have been right down the straight fence. Straight down the fence, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy the fence would have taken care of that for you. And what you got today for me, sweetie? Don't ask no questions. You won't tell me no lies. <laughs> When Lovett was arrested, she confessed. She said she was a willing accomplice, but did not elaborate whether that was out of love or fear. Mm-hmm. 
Grant and his men then. Maybe a bit of both. Yeah, so close, aren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two sides of the same kind now. It's very much our relationship, isn't it? Yeah. So sort of switches between love and fear. <laughs> yeah. Um but it is the love of fear. Yes. Yeah. But the fear of love. Well, you know. It's a uh, maybe a strip, isn't it? Of no, it's terrible. It's, it's, terrible. A, it's a Gordian knot of a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um Blunt and his men then strode into 186 Fleet Street to write the last chapter in the bloody saga of the demon barber. Todd was handcuffed and taken to Newgate. Back to Newgate. London was gripped by stories of the pair's crimes. Crowd gathered in Fleet Street and Bow Street, anxious to hear the latest gossip. But as Blunt busied himself preparing the evidence for the trial, he received crashing news. Lovitz had killed herself with poison, probably bought from a guard corruption the coming prosecution overshadowed the christmas of 1801 the daily current predicted it would be one of the trials of the age and so it was a comprehensive report in the newgate calendars show subtitled the malefactors bloody register the newgate's calendar weekly accounts of sensational trials uh uh presaged Modern crime uh, presaged, presaged by yeah. Modern crime reporting. Oh uh, right, but yeah. So you know, it, before ten before yeah, or you know. It's... Hey Neil, do you know what? Every day's a school day, and I'm learning. Presaged modern crime reporting. I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. But Treating yeah. highwaymen and other so, criminals as celebrities. Of, but yeah, its reports proved beyond doubt that Todd existed. Todd was charged at the Old Bailey with a single murder, that of Francis Thornhill. The Attorney General for the prosecution described how Thornhill had been commissioned to take a string of pearls worth 16,000 to a young woman in London. Mm. On his way to deliver them, he went into Topshop to be shaved and was never seen again. Todd later pawned the string of pearls for 1,000. I mean, he's got a shit fence, hasn't he? Yeah. It's worth 16, again, one. Mind you, can't be, can't be getting one on the one on the dollar. Some hot pearls, yeah, but nonetheless. Anyway, you know, no one ever said he was good businessman. No, he's more in it for the killings than the. He's more in it for the killings and the pies, wasn't he? Yeah. Thornhill's case inspired the string of pearls, a serial published in a weekly magazine in 1846, which weaved in other characters and events. It is the basis for numerous books and plays in turn leaving to the 1979 Sondheim musical and the Burton movie. Continuing his submission, the Attorney General told the court that the clothing for 160 people were found in Todd's shop. There was stunned silence. Men and women looked at each other in disbelief. Had they heard, right? There was... There was more... The prosecution was able to prove a leg bone found in the church vault belonging to Thornhill. A surgeon, Sylvester Steers, who treated Thornhill for a fracture, recognised the bone as his patient's. Oh, that's his bone. That's good. The jury conferred for less than five minutes before delivering a guilty verdict. Yeah, look at the state of him. Huh? Look at the state of him. He's going down. Oh, dear, it's just pugnacious. Hugelist face. Yeah. (laughs) 
Pandemonium broke out as the judge struggled to restore order. Then, says the Newgate calendar, all eyes were turned upon the most dastardly criminal of the age, Sweeney who stood in the dock glaring at the foreman of the jury. Now, I should really send you to prison, but I'm still embarrassed. You seem like a decent fella. <laughs> but I've had, but I've had a, a, a lovely luncheon with my daughter-in-law. So, in the spirit of that... It is Christmas, after all. <laughs> Don't do it again. So, the sentencing of criminal in 1802 did not require the judge to withdraw first. He simply took out his black cap and placed it over his wig. Nice. Before delivering the death sentence. You cannot expect that society can do otherwise than to put out of life someone who, like you, has been a terror and a scourge. After his execution, the facts about Sweeney Todd's were rapidly distorted. Most accounts said he was hanged at Tyburn, the infamous spot for dispatching highwaymen now occupied by Marble Arch. In fact, execution ceased at Tyburn in 1783. Well, there you go. <laughs> Instead, Sweeney Todd was taken from his cell in Newgate on the morning of January 25th, 1802, and hanged on a portable scaffold in front of a crowd of thousands. He was 46 years young. Oh. oh, Even in death, there was a final sickening irony. Todd's body was taken down after hanging for an hour and carried to the Royal College of Surgeons in the Old Bailey for dissection. The demon barber himself was polished off, butchered for the benefit of the nascent medical professions. It seems doubly, doubly appropriate that he should end his days as a pile of flesh. Bones! <laughs> And a fool! So that's the Sweeney the Todd. Well, I'm surprised it doesn't come out before. So if it I mean it didn't take, seem like it'd take a lot of research if that was like some huge trial and all the rest of it. Yeah. I'm slightly suspicious about this, but anyway, I'll, I'll well, take it at face value for the for the for the purposes. For the purposes of, of the cast. So, um, yeah, there is your Sweeney the Todd. Has uh, it made you, mm. you, you cut your own hair, don't you? Or the council does it or something. You don't go to barbers. Um, I haven't done for a while. Yeah, no, I quite often use clippers. So this was, this, so just in case. I'm being turned into a pie, clearly. If people are interested in reading more about the Sweeney the Todd, then this article was adapted from Sweeney Todd. The Real Story of the Demon Barber of Fleet Street by Peter Haining, published by Robinson Books at £8.99. So, uh, if, yeah, if you want to read more about it, get a bit more details, I think we, I think probably you've learned all you need to from us, really. Apparently it was all true, according to that. Yeah. Well, he was actually called Sweeney Todd as well. Yeah. Weird, mm. isn't it? Well, there you have it. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because they didn't have the internet back then. But, no, but uh, you know, it's given when you quickly Google it. It doesn't. Um, I mean, I know I've heard that it, it potentially could have been, but I've never, I've never heard. So it's it so, so it's so, so it's it's you know, it's not can it's not canon. Like it, this guy reckons he's found it all out, and some people go nah. So. And what you're saying is like, you know, there was a massive trial and all the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wonder how much 
and pretty much everything that he's described there is as it was written in the kind of Penny Dreadful, like the you know the chair rotating around and all of this stuff. I think what we'll have to say is um, there is more evidence now than there was, and I think it's up to up to individuals to uh, decide whether they want to believe it or not. I think that. I think maybe there was the person, but it's also like a bit of an amalgamation of of other stuff as well, or maybe a lot of stuff got accredited to this one person, as kind of tends to happen at the time. Yeah, because I'm just having a quick look on something here, and they're saying there were some cases that were similar in France and, and the Swedish person. Yeah. Northern France. Apparently also in Martin Chuzzlewit, Charles Dickens' book, he um, talks about rumours of cannibalistic pastry chefs, but that was after the string yeah. of had come out, so he's obviously referencing the Penny Dreadful. Obviously a popular well, one. Well, he was terrible at ripping people off, wasn't he? I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, there's been lots of um, plays about it. Um, you know, there was... Um, it was It was kind of... During the kind of great age of playhouses, there was lots of plays. One of the earlier recordings uh, was in 1932, um, Mm, um, recorded, uh, and it's recently, well, in 2013, it was released uh, digitally. Um, And there's obviously been the films, um, the the recent one, but then also Bloodthirsty Butchers from 1970, which was like a hammer horror kind of thing. Sweeney told the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, a film from 1936. Uh, a silent movie in 20, 1928. I mean, there will be loads of films and kind of like... Yeah, you know, so it's quite, sorts, quite big, isn't it? Quite a big story. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I just looked up here, because, I mean, we, depends on who you want to believe, really, but historydefined.net, it was like, another theory was put forward some years ago proposing Todd was a real-life character who committed his crimes in London around 1801 before being arrested and executed on O2, but the book in question has been found to have been largely based on, or based on largely falsified evidence. So take take that as you will. Whether that's the, the, referring to the same book or what have you. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? But let's go to our scoring system now. That's why it's fun, though, isn't it? That's yeah, why it's, it's definitely fun. a big one. It's definitely a big one. Yeah, definitely a big of, one. Um, yeah. And it's so, sometime musical and everything. Spookiness, Neil, on oh, this hallowed of all of the eens. Yeah, I think this is... You've got two two lots of spookiness in this one. So, as I say, there's, um, you know, it's not so much being turned into pie, but just, you know, going in for a shave and then having your throat cut. Or just you know, I don't know, don't know what the whole thing is where they just you suddenly get well. The know, idea being that hopefully the person breaks their neck. Yeah, I mean, just suddenly you know, go into a shop and then suddenly realise you have mm. thrown into a serial killer's den. That's pretty it's when terrifying. you're most vulnerable, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. When you're you most don't... vulnerable when you're you don't when you're in a, when you're in a shop, or you know, you go and buy a lovely pie and then mm. find out it's you know, this thing, you know that's been best pie favorite. you've ever tasted as oh, well. They've, 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 sh- they've closed down Mrs. Lovett's Pond mm. Shop. Oh, I love those. I used to go in and get one every week. I know they're yeah, not that healthy, but lunch. Like, gorgeous. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you do know what Me and the kids. Down, don't you? <laughs> do I want to know? You know, <laughs> really don't. You know it's like, oh, you've been eating. Yeah, no, that'd be pretty pretty awful. So, yeah, it's very spooky. I think it's... Um... Oh, I'm wondering if this is going to be my first 10 for a spookiness. Oh, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a 10. Wowzers. 
I think, um, yeah, that is uh, the, the, the thought of either of those things happening. The fact that it's got both those components, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good one. And that's from you, who, as yeah, a Catholic, has eaten the flesh of Christ. Yeah, well, obviously, that's transubstantiation, so that's a miracle, Chris, but yeah. No, it's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Look, I'm no theologian, right? I'm a, I'm a street, no, exactly. street theologian. All right. Yeah. Well, that's sausage. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it is quite, it is quite spooky. I mean, there's not, there's nothing paranormal. He's just a fucking nutter. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's kind of like if you lived around there, it'd be like, this has been happening underneath our noses, coming, and it could have been any of us, and that kind of thing. It's kind of like. So it's almost just going in to do something regular and it turns yeah. out that you end up with a serial killer. That's, that's, you know. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it is. It is. And, um, yeah, I agree. And also, in those times, let's be honest, being of Irish descent, we would have been working on the docks in the East End. Yeah. And probably, would, probably would have been eating pies. Yeah. So we would have been... I mean, pretty, I'm pretty probably, high likelihood. It would we come probably would have had beards, let's be honest. We're yeah, not going to be... Paying a penny for a shave. Not paying a penny for a shave. Like, how much is a booze? Half a penny? Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> just, just forget about that. Pie and a pint. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is... Yeah, and imagine, like... Because that would really fuck with your head, wouldn't it? It'd be like, I've oh, eaten totally, so yeah. many of those pies. Yeah. I wonder why my hair was falling out. Because there's that thing, isn't there, that... Um, because of like, I can't remember what. There's like some enzymes or saying like, if humans eat human, then you get really ill. It's it's, it's with the nervous. If you eat part of the nervous system, mm. so especially there was um, there was someone studied a cannibalistic tribe. I think it was called Curry disease or something like that. But yeah, yeah. it's like a relation of um, Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease or you know um, BSC that they had in cows. We had um, mad yeah. cow disease. They used to call it. But yeah, they were originally I think when I came across that. It was a, a tribe. They were they used to yeah. Did, did, there was some cannibalism because they would eat um, yeah brains yeah, and stuff enemies. as well. Yeah, it was a prior, basically a prion disease it's uh yeah yeah so you don't want that either no you don't so um i'm gonna give it uh because it lacks paranormal i'm gonna take a little bit he didn't Fair come enough. back from beyond the grave no to continue so i'm gonna give it an eight so far as we know so believability um tough one isn't it <laughs> um uh so d- have i bought entirely into the story we've just read no i haven't but do I think I don't know that it again? It's like Robin Hood's like there were, could, the, but could it have happened? Yeah, well, it could definitely have happened. There's nothing un, yeah. unbelievable. Well, the the scale of the crime is the unbelievable part, rather than yeah. the 170 crime. just gets a bit silly. But yeah, and as James Bond chair, yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, there's there's nothing inherent to say you couldn't do it. I'm not suggesting you do, but you know you could. Yeah. Um, and it was a very violent time, you know, and every period's going to have psychopaths. And yeah. in that period, like, there was basically no police or anything. So, yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it... So I don't... So because I don't entirely buy into the story we've just heard, I'm going to give it an eight for believability now. How about you? Yeah, kind of similar with me. And I think, you know... I think, yeah, life probably was cheap in the East End in those days, but I think, like, some of these clients are well-to-do enough that I don't, I'm don't. i not convinced it's that. You know, I think it's more a case of 
like if you're you know very lower class or you're sort of like you know if you're a sailor or something then yeah you always certain things off on shore leave don't they whatever it might be then it you know then people might be that yeah that would go missing whatever um but yeah you know somebody's like can, can you know have a string of pearls worth whatever i mean obviously that's probably some of these things are more of an embellishment but you know you, you would have thought you people are that kind of like um or whatever then they're not going to be going and getting paying for a shave you know um anyway yeah so but no i mean there's nothing inherently unbelievable about any of it and obviously i don't i'm, I'm very skeptical that this so-called evidence is you know is true but um and, and as you say it's it's all just a bit too like the the amount of them the fact they got away for so long it's all just a bit too neat but having said that there's nothing in it that isn't you know it's it's just a bit too fantastical, but I mean, all of it is within the realms of you know possibility, you know potentially. Mm. So yeah, I think uh, I think an eight for me as well. So now it's a premise now. Well, you know, it's been turned into various movies. And you sort of, you've got it all there. I mean, that's I mean, I think it's the thing that sort of like plays against the believability slightly. It's all just a bit too tidy. But yeah, I think it's um, you can tell by the fact that it's been turned into so many movies and musicals and what have you. It was obviously, and it's you know whether it's based on elements of a real case or whatever it might be, um, whether that was in London or, or elsewhere, um, you know, the fact that just what was a penny dreadful, which, you know, the kind of things that people would expect to throw away. It's been, you know, turned into mm. so many things and it's a story that kind of resonates with people. Because, you know, I think it's just, it's got a really strong hook. Um, so, you know, pretty much you can, and you can play on that. So, yeah, it's going to be another eight for me. All right, yeah. So I um, I parrot what you've said, and also you know, like the so there there, there would have been stories about murderers and stuff like and and all that kind of thing, but the but the um, the it's not commodification really, but but the the sort of lack of any care around the sanctity of the human body and just turning it into pies, you know, kind of, it, it, do you know what, like that feels to me like that very much comes out of the, because at the time it was the industrial revolution and people were being used by, you know, as disposable assets rather than there being a sanctity of the human body. So maybe there's something to that within the story. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm going a bit too deep. But, you, can, you can turn it into, you know, Bertolt Brecht play or something, or some Marxist. But yeah, like the dis, the disposability of the yeah. So um, yeah, I'm going to give it a. I'll give it an eight because it could there could be more speedboats and stuff. Um, so reach well, it's a so it it's a big one, I think. So I don't know how big it is globally. So that's going to take points off for me. But I don't know if I said to someone in. Malawi, have you heard of Sweeney Todd? Then they would have. But um, but I don't know. Am I setting the bar too high? Because they might not have heard well, of Loch Ness Monster. I think you could say, I mean, what, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I've, I think, I think you know, you probably most people would have. I mean, in fact, it's not it. quite the same as Loch Ness but Yeah, but I haven't said that. It's like, yeah, you know, I think I think if you use that as an example, that pretty much there's nothing where everyone's, Bigfoot, Loch Ness one, yeah. so there are tens, and then yeah. so so I think it. I don't I think, think it falls. I think it's close. So I think you know, with all of the media and stuff, and the fact it's been around for a few hundred years, uh, I'm gonna give it a nine for each now. Yeah, same same reasoning really. To be honest with you, um, and I think the same store for me. So it's it's maybe not completely up there with Bigfoot and stuff. I don't know the fact that it's you know 
intended to musicals and all the rest of it, you probably most people would have heard of it one way or another. It, you know, it, it, in English-speaking countries, as I say, obviously, you know, out yeah, the Philippines or what have you, I don't, I've no idea. Maybe, maybe not. But, um, well, the film was probably released there, wasn't it? So, well, yeah, but you know, you know, there'll be so. They, so certainly, they, it'll have, it'll have reached a lot of countries around the world because of that kind of reasons. But um, you know, not, not necessarily everyone would have heard of it, and of course, everyone's got blind spots. So, yeah. But yeah, nine for me as well. Nine, That's yeah. an overall score of a massive sixty-eight out of a possible eighty. Got to be, got to be yeah. up there. Um, so, uh, if you want to let us know about any demon barbers or anything, you can contact us at Legends Urbane on the Twitter X things, or email us at uh, urbane.legends.pod at gmail.com. I know you won't. Uh, if you get a chance, leave us a star rating or a comment on Apple or whatever you're listening. That would be really handy. We'd just like some feedback, really. Spooky as well. Yeah, it would be spooky. Spooky <laughs> Halloween feedback. Why not? Um, yeah. Uh, but apart from that, um, I hope you've enjoyed the Halloween special. And, um, you know, if if you're in Europe, then Halloween's nearly over, and I hope you've had a nice time. Or you're going to a party dressed as a sexy cat, maybe. Yeah. That'd be good, wouldn't it? If, you, if you're young, if you're one of the young uns. Um, or, if you're, or, or if you're a certain age, that's fine too. Or if you're a certain age, absolutely. Just have some fun. Or even if you're just sitting back with your cup of Horlicks watching a spooky film with maybe a lover or a com- or just just a companion. However you're choosing to enjoy or it. Even, or if, like me, you're going to sit on your own and play Farming Simulator 22 on your PlayStation, that's hey, also fine. It's all fine. And if you're in America, you know, you'll go crazy for it, so I hope you'll have a nice time. Maybe you're dressed as Sweeney Todd. Maybe you're dressed as Sweeney Todd. If so, let us know. Send us a picture to the Ooh, ex-Twitters. That'd be nice. We'll give you a shout out. We'll give you a shout. We'll give. We'll honestly give anyone a shout out if anyone says anything. Had a load of pictures in. (laughs) But um, we'll be back um, at the usual time on Thursday. So this is just an additional one because we're feeling Halloween. We're not feeling Halloweeny, but it's Halloween. So um, enjoy your time, and we will see you at the usual time on Thursday. And. Take care and check your candies for poison and razor blades. Previous episode. So, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.